Sal Berry. Where's Bowie in rookie scoring this year? And Tim Parrish. Of all the Upper Deck series this year, it's definitely the second one. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we're going to talk about 2022-2023 Upper Deck Series 2 hockey cards. So we talked about Series 1 a while back. Series 2 has been out for a little over a month now, maybe about two months. Whatever. We get around to it when we get around to it. And obviously, I have a lot of thoughts about Upper Deck Series 2 because it's one of my favorite sets. Um, It's something that I collect religiously. I know Tim does, too. Tim, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, just um, getting prepared for the summer around here. So, Got any plans? No, just have summer capabilities at my home. We had to open the pool this past weekend and plant some flowers and plant some stuff and do the yard and all that kind of stuff. We are yeah. going on vacation at some point this summer. Yeah. Probably over the 4th of July, but that's different. Most of the time we'll be hanging out around the house. Yeah, that's okay. Especially if you got a yard and you got the space, you know, then it's nice. I know a lot of people traveled for Memorial Day weekend, and it's not really something I do, at least not on holiday weekends. I've started traveling more, but I feel bad for the people who travel on holiday weekends, and then they always get screwed And it's like, we had no idea that our flight on Thanksgiving was going to get canceled. And it's like, yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I've never not traveled on a holiday, pretty much. Really? Yeah, but most of the time we drive places. Like all my trips as a kid, we always drove. Pretty much most of the ones as an adult, we drove. Going to Vegas, we didn't drive. Until we moved out there, then we drove. That's different. Driving a U-Haul across country... I don't recommend it. No, doesn't sound like what's something I'd want to do. Not fun at all. Especially with a U-Haul full of hockey cards, you know, my, my hockey card collection. Yeah. Did I take those with me? I don't think I brought those like when I moved out there. They stayed back here. It stayed in storage. Okay. Well, yeah, because you stay with your parents, right? Um. Yeah, they had them. Um, stored for a while and i had a storage unit that i put a bunch of stuff in and then at some point out there maybe two three years of living out there i kind of picked back up collecting again so mm-hmm. so then i had more <laughs> when i never-ending moved, struggle when i moved from uh when i moved in 2020 from one apartment to another apartment I put the majority of my hockey card collection in my friend's car. Like we had a U-Haul that my brother-in-law was driving and he and his friend were loading it up. And then me and my buddy, we were loading up this car. But it was funny because he's like, do you want to put your TV in my back seat? I'm like, no. I know most people be like, yes, let's put the TV in the car where it has a higher success rate of surviving. I was like, no, I, I had all my binders in boxes and they were in sequential order so all like my 50s and 60s cards weren't in binders in one box and 60s and 70s cards in another box like and so i had them in sequential order so all what i deemed were the most expensive card or most irreplaceable cards i put those in my friend's trunk and back seat and then as we got to like box number 20 it's like ah that's 90 stuff that's easy to replace you know if the box gets flipped it's only like my pro set cards not the end of the world right but you know like my old parkies and stuff that i put in my my friend's car because i wanted to be really careful about that coincidentally my tv didn't survive the move but my hockey card collection did so there you go all that matters yeah so series two i don't bite the bullet when the hobby boxes come out because they're always too expensive they're just like oh man like now they're a hundred bucks but when they launched, they were 120 and I'm just like, screw that. I'm going to buy not blaster boxes. I don't buy blaster boxes. I don't buy retail boxes because I'd have to order those online. And I'm not going to like go to Target and buy like 22 packs that I just randomly find in the card aisle. Because I know like the packs with the Young Guns have already been like searched out by the... 
Oh, absolutely. The pack searchers, you know what I mean? Like when you find 18 packs of series one and you go, hmm, 18 packs, where are the other six packs? I guess somebody bought them. What comes six per box? Young guns, right? So I know that those packs have somehow been sniffed out. So I'll buy retail mega boxes and I'll buy retail collector's tins. And I was buying collector's tins, like just to give like a, for instance, collector's tins are like, 30 bucks, you get eight packs. So three tins is like 90 bucks. So that's still cheaper than a hobby box, which is now a hundred bucks, but a couple months ago was 120 bucks. I know you get better. Price always comes down the longer you wait. This is true. The fear of missing out. It's kind of a thing because that's why when you see the stuff hit, all the secondary market prices are through the roof. Because everybody's like, oh, look, it's brand new. It's shiny. We got to get that. And then wait two weeks and that same card that you paid a hundred dollars for is now twenty dollars so Mm -hmm. that happens every time so just to give some numbers so i said a hobby box is about a hundred bucks now it's for 24 packs if you buy a mega box that's gonna have 10 packs it's gonna cost about 40 bucks but one nice thing about the mega boxes is that it also includes a three card rookie class pack if you go after the collector's tins, those are 30 bucks for eight packs. And then that also has, in addition to those eight packs, it has a three-card OPG Glossy Rookies pack. And then there, there are the blaster boxes, which I don't go after anymore. And I believe those have six packs per box. I can't remember now if it's six or seven packs per box. But the reason why I don't buy blaster boxes, and those are 20 bucks, is because you're only really guaranteed to get one young gun. And so I have a hard time spending $20 to get one young gun. If I know if I buy a tin, I'm supposed to get two young guns. There's eight packs in the box, right? And you get one in every four packs, right? And then if I buy a 10-pack Mega box, once in a while, I beat the odds and I get three young guns in a mega box, but that's not always the case. I mean, you know, it's hit or miss, but I know that, like, if I buy a tin for 30 bucks, I'm going to get two young guns. If I buy a mega box for 40 bucks, I know I'm going to get two young guns or maybe three. The tins are probably the best value per pack if you want to look at it that way. And I don't even like fat packs because you get just a ton of base cards and maybe an insert card. Remember like when tops would do like, like say 92, 93 tops and it'd be like a bunch of like cards, but then it'd be like, and three gold cards per, did they call them fat packs back then? They might've been jumbo packs. I don't think they were fat packs. Jumbo packs. Okay. But you get, you get my idea, right? Or like They might've been fat, but I don't think anybody called them that. Well, fat jumbo, same thing, right? The jumbo packs would always have like more, sometimes more inserts. Anyway, so my trepidation about the hobby boxes is that they're expensive and I would need to buy at least two of them. And I feel like, okay, you're getting more inserts, but I don't really care about the inserts so much. There are some insert sets that I like and we'll talk about those. So yeah, I've I've just been retail boy all over again. I know we I did my whole retail spiel when we talked about when metal universe came out a couple years ago the 2021 metal universe came out and i was just going crazy for the uh blaster boxes of those because they only had blaster boxes but just a quick little rundown the typical upper deck set so series two has 250 cards 200 base cards 198 players two checklists 50 young guns 49 are rookies one is a checklist it's just what you'd expect just like it's been in past years for like ever. I think the last time a series two was not 250 cards. I want to say it was 06, 07. That set only had 45 young guns for some reason, which was such an outlier. I can't remember why, but I remember the series two had Malkin. And I remember that one just didn't, it had a few less young guns if I remember correctly. Trying to think, why would it have been short? Just less subjects, maybe. There have been times where, uh, I mean, not counting extended series, because that first year that Upper Deck put out extended series, there were only 30 young guns in that extended series. And I feel like they were really, really pushing to try to get 
30 rookies for that set. And I mean, one of them was a checklist. So they really tried hard to get 29 rookies for that. Well, and that set. makes, that makes sense when you do an extended set or an update set or something series three, as you want to call it all the time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because by that time you've exhausted most of your major players. So anybody that's left are the call up guys in the second half of the season that are probably used for injury fill-ins or, you know, getting close to the playoffs and down to the wire, you know, to try to solidify some of your bottom lines and stuff like that with some depth. So you're really stretching at that point. Yeah, I was right. 0607 upper deck was uh, 495 cards total. There were only 45 young guns in series two. And of course there was 12, 13 where there was no series two, but I think that was the year they started putting them in SP authentic as like updates. If you remember that. Yeah. yeah I hated that. I still hate it to this day. Well, I do too, because I understand it, but I didn't like it. So I get it, but I never liked it. Never could get on board with it. It's just, it, it bugged the crap out of me all the time. They did that nonsense with everything. They did that with, remember they did that with Victory, where they had the Victory update was part of Upper Deck Series 2? Yeah. Victory, yeah, the Victory's been, or the Victory was kind of shoved into Series 2 a lot. Opeachy's been since Victory went away. That I don't mind as much. For some reason, I minded, you know, having the stuff in SP. Look what it does to it, though. If you're going to try to complete the set and include the update, right? I mean, you're paying 35 cents for a common card that you need for the, you know, base one through 500. But you're going to pay two or three bucks for a common card for something because it was a short print hit, quote unquote, out of an SP product. Get out of here. It's still a base card. Yeah. I always hated that. It bugged me. Yeah. Drove me nuts. Yeah. And remember when they put the David Ayers Young Gun in uh, SP Authentic? Yeah. It was so annoying. Let's be honest. Should that have even had a young gun? I mean, it qualifies. I get it by the rule. But still, that was more of a novelty type thing than anything else. You were talking about e-bug sensation David Ayers, who stepped in for the Carolina Hurricanes a couple weeks before the pandemic basically ruined everyone's life for a while. We had this feel-good story about this Maple Leafs rink attendant everybody called him a zamboni driver but he did so much more he was also like i think he coached in the kids program and stuff like that and he was like their practice goalie and he was the e-bug on duty who stepped in for the carolina hurricanes and so yes he had a young gun and it was in sp authentic even though it was an upper deck young gun to basically that got tacked on at the end of upper deck series two what they used to do is uh, Upper Deck would say, oh, okay, well, we're going to add an update set of like 30 cards for Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2, and then there's going to be a 30-card update. But you can only get those cards in SP Authentic. And so Tim and I hated that because, A, you either had to buy SP Authentic to get these cards, or B, you had to buy them on the secondary market, but you're paying like three, four bucks for basically a common card. Like, oh, guy in a different uniform who got traded, but that's a $3 card because... It's a tough pull or, oh, a young gun that should probably be like a $20 card, but it was going for way more than that because of this particular guy's popularity, you know, in reference to David Ayers. So looking at this series two set, so the design is the same as series one. So there's not really much to say about the design of the cards, because last time we talked about series one, the first half of the set, whatever you want to call it. I said it felt more like an upper deck AHL set. Like something about the design just isn't sitting right with me. I'm not like hating on the design, but just something about the design. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like an upper deck series one, series two set. It just kind of feels like this could have been upper deck AHL or upper deck CHL or I don't know. I just can't put my finger on it. Maybe the design isn't fancy enough. Maybe their names are too small. Maybe there's not enough foil. I don't know. I don't know what it is about these cards, but I don't like hate them. I don't look at it and go, wow, what a great design. I kind of like the design. Okay. I feel like it's got sort of a, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a rainbowy feel to it on the bottom, just because of the colors of the, the player name stripe. 
Yeah, it's kind of got like a marbled texture to it. That There's like that white fade at the bottom. The player is partially cut off at the ankles by the bottom border. It kind of fades. There's kind of like a gradient fade. Right. I like it. It's different. I can't recall a, another upper deck set that's like that per se. It's definitely not what I was expecting for a design. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get in those ruts of kind of churning out very similar designs. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I don't hate it. No. Look, I'm going to buy it no matter what because it's not always about the design. Sometimes it's just about the set. Like people who buy Tops Baseball, they buy Tops Baseball because they buy Tops Baseball. And they're going to love or hate the design they're going to buy it because it's a big comprehensive set of baseball players and and it's really the only licensed set of baseball players so that's the reason why you're going to buy it back in the day when there was more competition i'm talking about like the 90s and the 2000s there were sets that you were going to buy regardless because you kind of start to develop this loyalty a little bit to them right i mean and look at like the 70s tops and opichi sets you're going to buy them even if you don't like the design like, I don't like 75, 76 tops and Opeachy. I think it's a boring design. It has, like, the team name at the top. It has the player name at the bottom. And then they put, like, a little puck with the position. I mean, it is such, like, a boring design. It, it looked like the first try. Like, well, I guess we could put the team name at the top, the player name at the bottom. And, oh, we should put the position. Hey, let's put it in a little puck because it's a hockey card. Yeah, good. And done, right? And that, my friends, is a 75, 76 top set. But... I wasn't like, well, I'm not going to buy this set because I hate the design. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy it because there's only two sets to collect from 75, 76, not counting any like weird one-off or food issue type sets. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Tops and the OPG sets, the same design. So, you know, and with something like this, if you don't like Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2, you can always buy OPG and get almost all of the same cards. It's true. They don't Um, have the same feel, but... And it's definitely not the same market generally, mm-hmm. but still, that is a true statement, what you're saying right there. So a couple things I've noticed about Series 2 is one thing that's nice about breaking up a set uh, across multiple series is that you can have the first line players and the fourth line players. You can have the starting goalies, the backup goalies. Sometimes if a team has a third string goalie, you can have them in there. And also, you remember like back in the day, Series 1 would be like all the best players, almost like they weren't planning for a Series 2. And then Series 2 would always be guys who were traded and like rookies, but not always necessarily good rookies. So Series 2 always felt weaker. But in this case, it doesn't because they know, hey, we're making Series 2. We know Sidney Crosby is going to be playing at the midseason. And we know he's still going to be on the Penguins. So let's put him in Series 2. So there's like a lot of superstar players in Upper Deck Series 2, you know, which they can do because they could break it up. They don't have to put all the best players in Series 1. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're dealing with now with will they or won't they put a certain player that shall remain nameless in Series 1 or Series 2. You have all these guys that have the potential of getting into the checklist you know you're going to have a series two at least you've had extended for a few years now so you pretty much have bumped that to an extra series so you've got three products on an annual basis that you can stick a guy in where do you put them i'm glad you brought up extended series because what that does is that takes the pressure off of this set to try and scramble to get photos of players who've been traded now Trade deadline guys are obviously they're not in their new uniforms in series two because the set was in production for a while. Right. But you have a guy change teams in the off season and then you go, okay, well, we're going to get some photos of rookies that debut in October, November, December, and we can have them in this set in time for April. And then they could also say, oh, and these guys got moved in the off season and we could get photos of them in their new uniforms for series two. But Now that they have extended series, they can also put those in extended series. Like, I remember last year's extended series, they had the card of Zdeno Chara with the Islanders. That extended series can kind of be like the catch-all, like, these are the guys that we forgot to put in series one and series two, and oh, these are the guys that changed teams, and 
we could get them in extended series. So one thing I'm noticing, and I've probably noticed this before in past sets, but for the most part, the photographs aren't that interesting. We're still kind of getting these like from the ankles up photos of everybody, even though there are fans in the stands, it still feels kind of like pandemic era photos where there's a very limited selection or very limited range of photography. I mean, back when Jim Howard used to do his best of the worst, there was a variety of photos. There were some that were great and there were some that were ridiculous that he made fun of. And here, everything just kind of seems okay. Is everything in focus and colorful? Yeah. Can you see the player's face for the most part, unless they're trying to do something cool where like his head is turned or whatever, but they're not specifically interesting photos. You know what I mean? And I feel like all the interesting stuff goes to UD Canvas and all the just good photography goes on these cards, but nothing that's like offbeat, spectacular, overly creative. I don't feel like that's in this set. Um, I mean, you'll get one here and there. Yeah, like, well, they don't go full out like every picture's the same. You know, everyone's just uh, this is just the boring typical shot. Every few they'll throw one in. That'll be something that is not the norm. Well, there are two cards that really jumped out to me. One is of Penguins player Brian Rust. And the reason why I like this card is because it almost looks like a canvas card. The way his uniform is lit, he has a little bit of like a purple tinge on him. I don't know if it's just arena lighting or a little bit of a blue tinge. Like he's in his white uniform, but I can't quite put my finger on why I like this card. It just, it's interesting like i said it's got a bit of a tint to it so it just looks different and i like that it almost looks like a canvas card and the other one that i really like is of william carlson because it's a nice close-up head and shoulder shot but he's wearing the gold bucket he's wearing a gold helmet like the golden knights wear sometimes and you could see his long blonde hair coming out from the side of his helmet but if you look in his helmet, you can see the reflection of the rink and of like the arena lights in his helmet. So it's really just kind of a cool picture. It just came out kind of cool because the way it was photographed. You must not have pulled any of the uh, penalty box variants then because those are interesting. I don't think so, because all I got was retail. So penalty box variants, I assume they're sitting in the penalty box? It's either sitting in the penalty box or going to the penalty box. Or I think in the case of uh, JVR's card, he's being escorted off the ice like a game misconduct kind of thing. I'll have to look at my extras. I put my Series 2 set into pages just so that I could, you know, look through them and, you know, look at every card and uh, none of these stood out as unique, but I have a fistful of doubles that I'll have to go through. Yeah, they did the players like arriving at the stadium wearing suits and stuff again. Mm -hmm. And then they also did penalty box variants on the photos. So. Well, these are retail packs. Most likely they're not going to have those. Yeah, I get your point about the pictures. Just flipping through them real quick. The only one that really like kind of stood out to me was... James Reimer, because it's horizontal instead of vertical. Mm -hmm. And it's just like him in the center, and there's like all this ice around him. You could have zoomed in on it, but instead you left like all this space. There's like a lot of negative space, which is weird to me. That's a nice card. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, mean, I think yeah, the Tarasenko I... one has him in the Winter Classic jersey. Yeah. So that one's sort of different, but. And Voracek has him in, like, a green warm-up jersey, which is really annoying because, you know, he's a blue jacket, but he's in a green jersey. And I get it, it's a warm-up jersey, but yeah. it's not a variant because I got, like, five of them, so... I don't think Series 2 has any variants that are, like, jersey variants. Okay. Like they do sometimes with Opeechee. Yeah. I think it's just the players arriving in the suits. I think I saw it called swagnificent or something like that uh, or the penalty box variants which there is a Sidney crosby one if you can believe that it's just the back your favorite a back photo of the back of his head 
and his jersey of him sitting in the box. Latang's looks like that too. I think it might have been the game where like everybody on the whole line got put in the penalty box because there was like just a melee that ensued. And I think Crosby and, and Latang were both in the box at the same time. By the way, Sidney Crosby's card in Series 2 is card number 387. Don't think I did not notice the significance, Upper Deck, that he is card 387. Because he um, wears 87. It's probably part of his contract. Mm, I don't know about that. It was number 387.87.87. Back in the day, I remember somebody saying, how come Gretzky isn't always card 99 in every set? And I'd say, well, because if the players are just random, then, yeah, you can always make him card number 99. You can always make Mario Lemieux card number 66, etc. And a lot of times we'd see that in, like, the 90s, especially when some of the companies got clever about the numbering that they did for the cards. But when the players are grouped by teams, that just might not be possible to always yeah, make. Yeah, because it's not going to fall that way. Right. So I actually want to talk about this because this is one thing that I I noticed when I was sorting the cards. But then when I put them in pages, I noticed it again. So now I want to talk about this. So you know how like when you have like Upper Deck Series 1 and Upper Deck Series 2, you'll have like all your Anaheim Ducks and all your Arizona Coyotes and all your Boston Bruins and all your Buffalo Sabres. You know, they, they basically go in order. You know, you'll have like six or seven or eight of each team, right? Yes. There are 13 times where cards seemed misplaced, where you have like, I'll give you like a for instance here. Let me go to the Rangers Islanders because that was kind of a, a mess. Okay, so here like we have an L.A. King, then a Minnesota Wild, then an L.A. King, then a Wild, 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 Canadian, Wild, Canadian, 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 Predator, Canadian, Predator, 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 Devil, Predator, Devil, Predator, Devil, Devil, Islander, Devil, Islander, 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 Ranger, Islander, Ranger, 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 Senator, Ranger, Senator, right? These guys that were traded? No, it's like they're odd, like they were put out of order. And for what reason, I don't know. But it's like annoying that like, I look at like cards 374 and 375 and I want to flip flop them. So I don't oh, know why I see what you're saying. So like jo- it goes Adam Fox and then Josh Norris, and then back to Philip Edel, and then to Travis Hamannick. So yep, exactly. They but should go- be flip flops. Right, but if you but if you go further back, if you look at say like card 367 is an Islander, 368 is a Ranger, 369 is an Islander, 370 is a Ranger. Uh, I don't know. Maybe something happened. Maybe I don't know. Some skip numbering thing happened. I, yeah. I don't know what happened or why that happened. I thought that was weird because, like, I'm sorting the cards and I'm like, huh, only three. It is kind of weird. I'm Certainly like, not normal. Well, like, when you're sorting the cards and I go, oh, they only did three cards of this team because now I got a card of a player from this team. And it's like, oh, wait, nope, there's more cards of players from this team. That one was just an outlier that was just stuck in the wrong spot. But then you keep sorting the set and you keep finding more and more cards that were stuck in the wrong spot. And you're like, what's going on here? Is it the end of the world? No, not really. But I've said this before and I said it again. I kind of wish these sets would always have nine cards per team so that you'd have like one page of a team and then another page of a team and then another page of a team. I agree because I'm like that too. I'd rather have nine than some weird number that doesn't fit. I mean, I get it. I know why they do it, because especially when they have all the other series available. Now, instead of talking about we're pulling at straws to get young guns, we'd be pulling at straws to get actual players. Right. We'd have third and fourth line guys, you know, which some people like, but I don't know that the flagship is the set for that. So, yeah, there were some some like kind of skip numbering or like the way that the teams were a little mixed up. So far, I've bought three mega boxes and nine collector's tins because I have no impulse control. Actually, I'll have you know this. I didn't buy all of those at once. I bought them over time. Although one time I bought six collector's tins at once, but there were nine and I left the other three behind. And I said, eh, six is enough. Left some for the kids. Left some for the kids, right? I'm not going to be that guy who walks out with nine collector's tins. I only walked out with six. 
trust me, nobody is fighting with each other to get to the hockey cards at my local Target. Like, I will literally go there. There's a Target I go to that's near the school that I teach, and sometimes I have time to kill. So I'll be like, yeah, I'll just hop into Target and see if they got any hockey cards. And I'll, like, go there on, like, a Thursday, and I might buy a box or a tin or not buy anything, and then I'll come back on Tuesday the next time I teach, and, like, all the cards that were there on Thursday are still there on Tuesday as far as hockey goes. Like, oh, look, they still have four of these. Well, there were four of these the last time I was here, so clearly nobody's buying them except me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure other people are buying them, but... I don't eh. have that same thing around me. What do you mean? People, People buy everything. Really? Even hockey? Yep, still to this day. Yeah. I mean, if I wait long enough, people will buy it. Um, and if I want it, I'll buy it. And if I don't want it, I'll just let it go. Because, you know, at the end of the day, none of, none of this stuff is particularly rare, especially like Upper Deck Series 2 retail. But here's here's the punchline. Out of three mega boxes, which is 10 packs each, and nine collector's tins, which is eight packs each, which uh, figured that every pack has an insert. So that's seven base cards per pack. That's about 700 base cards. I have yet to finish a base set. So out of 704 possible base cards from all these packs that I bought, all these collector's tins and all these mega boxes, I can't even build a 200 card base set. That is so frustrating. They have 199 base cards and... uh, 500 something doubles that's crazy what are the odds of keep hitting the same progression of the of the output and everything you got it's annoying that like i'll sit there and sort cards and i'll get like i have like five of one and like one of like another one and then like four of one and then like one of another one and then like six of one and then like one of another one and the one I did not get for some reason is 267 Brandon Carlo. So that's going to become the bane of my existence this year. I remember like one year I bought like four boxes and I could not get Evgeny Malkin for some reason. And it was a base card, but that was like the card that eluded me. And nothing will ever match Tom Chorsky, who is legendary because that was like the one pro set series two card that took me forever to find to complete my set back in 1991. Yeah. Crazy. Everybody has that. Uh, what are the, what's the word? A bugaboo, right? Is it's that what the, it's called? It's it's the one bugaboo that, that uh, just grinds in there and you just can't seem to can't seem to find it. And it eludes you all the time. Yeah. I yeah. have plenty of those. Yeah. I have well, way more than one. Let's put it that way. It's annoying, though, when it's a base card and you should feel like you should have had three of them by now. Yeah. You know, um, I agree. I had plenty of those. So, yeah, like I said earlier, so like the nice thing about Upper Deck basically breaking this into three series now is that series two can just be like this nice continuation of series one, have some of the superstars, but also they don't really need to like rush to get like photos of guys in their new uniforms because they will have those hopefully in time for series three. At least anybody who was with a new team during the start of the season, not necessarily a trade deadline, but hey, who knows, right? Because things change all the time. I mean, I've seen upper deck sets where the checklist doesn't always match who was put into the set because they'll decide to change one of the cards or two of the cards, but they won't update the checklist. So, you know, you'll have that little bit of an anomaly or whatever. Like, there was one year where, like, Evgeny Malkin was in Series 1 and Series 2 for some reason. Not to keep using Malkin as an example, but just funny how that happens. But remember, there was one year when he was in Series 1 and Series 2. Just because. And not the rookie year, but the checklist either. No, not that year. He was. Well, he was, but those were both in Series 2. I feel like they did that to Crosby once probably okay this is ridiculously off topic but i remember there was a year i don't know if this is the same years or the second years because remember when we talked about the return of mvp and we said how a lot of those designs look the same yeah there was a year where daniel carcillo appears twice in the same flare ultra set there was a year where patrick sharp appeared twice in the same flare ultra set and there was a year where michael roosevelt appeared twice in the same set weird it's almost like they weren't paying attention 
I mean, I don't know how else that could happen. How else would something like that even slip by? It's not like you're talking like doubling up a bunch of superstars. When you don't do guys in like team order, when they're just in like random order, then you might have a guy who's like card number 123 and then later on he appears in a set as like card number 257 or something. Yeah. Unless it was intentional. I don't I don't know how, I don't understand how stuff like that happens. That's just me though. So let's talk about some of these inserts because I do have a pile of inserts from all of that retail that I bought. So I know I said this when we previewed the set that I was really excited about Lunchbox Legends. And I'm going to agree and say I'm still excited about Lunchbox Legends. It is a great looking insert set. It's a picture of a player on a lunchbox. And then the lunchbox is resting on a wooden table. That could have been the table that you had lunch at in third grade. Just a wooden cafeteria type table. Although I always tend to remember those tables being a little darker. But that's okay. That doesn't matter here. Because this is all about a nice looking card. And what's nice is if you remember the old school lunch boxes, how they were metal. These have a lot of metal foil piping around the lunchbox. Right. And, you know, I look at my old Indiana Jones lunchbox that's sitting on the windowsill in my kitchen, and it's got wear on it or like around the edges. And so you could see some of the metal underneath the graphic that had worn off. And it kind of looks like that a little bit, but neater. I mean, it's part of the design it feels right you know what i mean and it's got kind of like this really colorful background could almost be like a hippie bus from the 70s but you know whatever it's colorful it's fun it's interesting it doesn't have to make sense it just has to be cool yeah they're definitely different my only thing with it and i said this before when we talked about them i wish they were die cut i understand why they're not because that would have been super expensive to produce but still they're cool yeah, I and mean, if you're going to die cut something, maybe do a cooler shape than a lunchbox. Or even go all out and actually make them made of metal. There you go. Mm-hmm. And call it Fleer Metal? Just call it Lunchbox Legends and just make it be a metal card. Yeah. What was it? Leaf, leaf Preferred Steel or whatever. They, oh, yeah. Those leaf cards that were steel. I put that set in pages, these leaf cards that were made out of metal. And I got to tell you, dude, that binder weighs like 40 pounds. Like every time I take it off my shelf, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the set. The cards made of metal because like one page, I swear, it feels like it weighs two pounds. Probably not really, but it's heavy. It's pretty heavy. Am I the only one who is singing Jukebox Hero by Foreigner every time I look at one of these cards and think Lunchbox Legend? Yes, you are. Just just me? Just you. No one else? Uh, There might be someone else, but... Not you? Present company not included. Oh, I I don't know if that means you or if you're here. Nope, I'm the only one here. Uh, Okay, I'm nuts then. Unless you count my little little mankind pop figure guy. He's here too. Okay. What is that? What did you say? Oh yeah, he doesn't like it either. Oh, okay. So, all right, so I like Lunchbox Legends, which is basically a portrait of a player, but on a lunchbox. They reprised portraits for Series 2, and I like this design. So I don't really need to say much about it other than what I said I liked it for Series 1. Now there's a lot of rookies because this is Series 2, so we're getting rookie portraits, and that's fine. You like this design or no? I can't remember. It's okay. I'm on the fence with it. Not my favorite, not my least favorite. Okay, but now check this out. They made another insert set called Instant Impressions, which Those looks, like. looks like a Polaroid photo. So, like, on yeah. the back, it has, like, the player's name, like, handwritten underneath the photo. Oh, and on the front, too. So, then the front, it says Instant Impressions, and it has the player's name written underneath it. And it's meant to evoke, like, a Polaroid photo with, like, a thick white border around it. Like, if you remember instant cameras, those of you who are listening to this podcast, most of you probably remember instant cameras. But for the four of you who don't, there was uh, these cameras that would shoot and develop the film right away. It would spit it out. And it'd be, like, four by four. It'd be, like, the image would be, like, maybe four by four. And it would have, like, a bigger border at the bottom. But it had, like, white borders on all four sides. And so that's what this is trying to look like. You know, they still make those. Or I guess they brought them back. 
Polaroid. They call it oh. Polaroid now. Okay. Instant cameras. Mm-hmm. They're like 150 bucks for a camera. Yeah, well, how much is the film? That's the, you, know. you know what? I don't know. I never looked at what the film. I just saw the price of the camera. I'm like, I think I bought a Polaroid camera for like 20 bucks once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, they weren't that expensive. No. Somehow I ended up with one in the early 2000s. It was like something that my grandmother had won and never used, and it sat in her closet for like 30 years. And then one day she's like, hey, any use for this camera? I'm like, no. I threw it on eBay, and I think it got like 60 or $80 for it because it was around the time that they were still – they weren't popular, but digital photography still hadn't completely taken over yet. So – there was still room for film cameras, but not so much for Polaroid cameras. But for whatever reason, I was able to get some money for it. So that's fine. I mean, it had the box and everything and it had never been used. NIB. New in box, right. But what's odd about these instant impressions, or not odd, but unique about them, is that they fade the photograph. So it looks like it's an aged picture, like this yes. Polaroid has been around for a while and now it's fading. Do I like this set, this insert set? Yes. Do I think it's a little redundant? Yes, because we already have portraits. These are just more portraits. My other problem with this set, there's probably a ton of them. I mean, I'm looking right now, I have one that's numbered out of 38. So I'm going to just assume there's like 50 of them. So I long for the days when an insert set was like nine or 10 cards. All-Stars first team, All-Stars second team. There you go. 12 cards, right? Something's very short printed anymore. I think we're well past that at this point. Everything is content. We need more content. We need more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. We got to give everybody variety. So, Do you chase after inserts for like upper deck? Only for the players that I go after or the team. I'll get the Penguin ones, but I'm not building any of these sets. I actually tried... If you can believe this, I tried to do the portrait sets and I thought, you know, what would be a good idea to do the portrait sets annually. And then I was like, are you crazy? And that was like when they started popping up on Com C for like dirt cheap. You could buy like pretty much all of the lesser players Mm -hmm. for pretty cheap. And I was doing that for a minute. And then I was like, this is crazy. I'm not doing that anymore because I don't care. So I moved on with my life. So I'll get the penguin cards, but that's about it. 15, 16, I bought the whole portrait set. And I think the ones I spent the most on were McDavid and Eichel because they were a couple bucks each. You know, whereas the McDavid Young Guns card was like a $300 card at that time. The portrait was only a couple of dollars because nobody was really catching on to his other cards. People were only fixated on very few cards and not all of his cards you know i remember buying that portrait card for like i think i paid like five bucks for it or something and i think eichel i paid like two dollars for and then everybody else i paid like 33 cents or whatever but my problem was with that is i bought the whole portrait set but then when i put it in pages and i looked at it i go you know There's great players in this set, and there's just a lot of mediocre players in this set. Because when you do a set of 100 players, you're not going to have a lot of strong topics. So that's my problem with, like, insert sets of today. If you did an insert set, you know, score sharpshooters from, like, the early 90s, those are going to be all good players, right? Might be 30, might be 20. 30 would have even been a little high. A lot of times insert sets were, like, between 10 and 20, so it felt like they were attainable. Are they still attainable? Yes, but it's just more money spent on average players, good players, but I just would want maybe a set of, like, great players, or if it's a themed set like Enforcers or Goaltenders or something like that, then that's fine. So I'll tell you, though, what set is attainable is the World Junior Grads. That's only 25 cards in that insert set. And I, That's you know, the throwback design to like 93. Yeah, it's like the throwback design and it's decent looking. I like it. I might like it enough to actually try to chase after it just because, shoot, I can't remember the last time I've completed an insert set. I mean, I'm still going after those 2021 
upper deck portraits, aka the Saved by the Bell design. I still have some of those. I still need some of those. Because there were like over 100 of them. Yeah, you had the base ones and then you had the rookies in series two or whatever it was, right? Right. Again, it's work. And by work, I mean effort and money. I mean, it's always easier, you know, oh, 10 cards. I could, you know, I could complete that pretty easy versus, you know, 100 cards. It's it's work. Now, I'll tell you what else I liked. I really liked the Welcome To inserts. I didn't think I was going to like them, but I do. I like the postcard style design. You know, even on the back of the card, it has like a little area like where you would write the recipient's name address like it was a postcard. So they're different and they're colorful and they're interesting. And I'm going to assume there's one for each team. So 32. Okay, well, you know what? That's more than 25, but at least it's like 32 teams, 32 postcards. So that makes sense. Honor roll. I still have trouble with honor roll. Like, why do they keep making honor roll inserts? Because they just seem like portraits to me. Yeah, the honor roll, I I didn't really like those at first when they made them, and they just kept doing them. I get why they're doing them. Why? I mean, again, it's content, and it's something from the past, early 2000s, that they rolled back out. Right. So, So, I mean, I get it. It's not a standalone set anymore, but I don't know. I agree with you. I think this one is kind of overkill if you already have portraits. Why do you need this? You have portraits and you have instant impressions. You know, I almost wish instant impressions was held back to be next year's portraits. I think that would have been really cool. I think next year's are going to be something. Next year, you remember we got the court jester and the kings and all that. Yeah, the the, the crazy photoshoppery. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll just point this one out. I kind of like these Calder candidates inserts, but oh my God. Hockey players look so young. Like, rookies look so young now. I'm looking at here, I got a, I got one of, like, Lucas Reichel of the Blackhawks, and he looks like he's, like, 12. And that's not a diss on him, because he's a world-class hockey player, but he looks like he's 12. Guys are getting drafted at 17, 18 years old, so. Yeah. Have you seen the Dylan Gunther one, the picture they used for his? <laughs> yeah. Look at that hair. That's straight up, like, taking your headshot for your audition for... Kids Incorporated or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Look at that hair. That's crazy. I used to watch that show, and I feel kind of guilty for having watched that show. I don't know why. Why I feel guilty or why I watched it? Yes. <laughs> I didn't feel guilty. I watched that show uh-huh. back in the day. Kids Incorporated and the Mickey Mouse Club that was on in the 80s. I never watched that. I preferred the old reruns of, like, the original with, like, a Annette Funicello. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't remember that either. The old black and white ones. So one thing I will bring up is that the Mega Boxes and the Collector's Tins have those bonus packs. So my problem with both the Mega Boxes and the Collector's Tins is that the collation is just terrible. Like, I bought three Mega Boxes, and I got... Two Dylan Holloways of the Edmonton Oilers. I got two Pavel Regendar of the Anaheim Ducks. And I got two Jake Sandersons of the Ottawa Senators. And then I got three other ones that were unique. But when you buy three of something and you get doubles already, I think it's like 15 cards. So the fact that I keep pulling the same ones. And then with the tins, those have the OPG Glossy Rookies, which I like a little better. But those have, like, the gold and bronze. And I got to tell you right now, I got, like, a fistful of them right here. I can't tell the difference between the bronze and the gold. Most people can't. Like, well, this could be gold, but this could also be bronze. But I have, like, one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Haha, I knew it. Six Jake Sandersons. Wow. Yeah. Corner in the market on those. Three are gold, three are bronze. Now, which three are the gold ones and which three are the bronze ones? I don't know. Okay, so if I buy nine collector's tins, that means that would be 27 of these cards total. And six of them are Jake Sanderson. 
I don't know what's going on. It's yeah, like I can think co- of a worse one to get than Jake Sanderson. But yeah, six of them, that's a little overkill. Right. And again, two Dylan Holloways and one, two, three Dylan Gunther. Like a lot of the same ones over and over again. So the collation on the bonus packs is also terrible. And that's unfortunate because I think it's fun when you could buy something like a collector's tin and there's something unique to that tin and it gives you a little bit of motivation to buy it. Likewise, the mega boxes, there's the rookie class bonus, but then there's also one red honor roll per box. I believe these are only in Target mega boxes. The Walmart mega boxes, I believe they have some sort of different inserts. I remember back when blaster boxes used to have like the big cards, remember like the four by six cards? Oversized, yeah. They don't do those anymore. Or if they do, they're like Walmart exclusives. I think they're doing them this year as Walmart exclusives. But uh, I mean, remember they used to be in the uh, the tins even. Remember there'd be like, they'd come in like a special like plastic clamshell, unless it yep. was like polybagged. Yep. And those were nice, especially when they were like winter classic and they'd show like a game action scene and the bigger card, you could see like more players and more detail of what's going on. I never minded those, but they never really take off on the secondary market. Because they're bigger. People don't know how to store them. They're bigger. They're just off-putting for some people. Yeah. They get banged up a lot, so they're hard to keep in good condition unless Mm -hmm. you put them in a sleeve. I don't mind them, though. I have quite a few larger size from tins and stuff like that. Yeah. So what young guns did you pull? I'm interested in that. Tell you right now. Let me go get them. This is where I'll edit the podcast. You didn't have your young guns sitting there? No, you know what? I... Did not sort these young guns yet, so there might be some doubles in here. How many so did you get? I had 27. Dang. One of my tins had three young guns, which doesn't make sense because you should only get two. Okay, let's see. They're all see. different. That's over half. No, no, not necessarily. So let's see. I got Jake Sanderson, Dylan Good Holloway. Good one. Pavel Regenda. Yeah. Nils Amon. It's okay. Elmer Soderblom. Andre Kuzmenko of the Canucks. There you go. Ronnie Attard. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Biro. Brandon Biro, I think, played one game last year. Jacob Locko. Yeah. Caden Guile. Caden Ghoul. Yeah. Ghoul. That's that's a decent one. Okay, another Nils Aman. Brakanji Imama of the. Say that again. Of. Well, hey, man, you're putting me on the spot here, so I'm reading these off for the first uh, time. This is my favorite game in the world. What? Listen to Sal mispronounce these names? Yeah, it's awesome. Keep uh, going. It's fun. Adam Huska. Yeah. Boo. Boy. Boy. Yeah, boy. I'm kidding. It's Bowie. Oh, you got the mascot card? Yeah, so check this out. So, so Seattle Kraken mascot Bowie is a young gun in this set. I'm sure you have thoughts about that. We'll save that for the end. Cole. Cole Kepka. Cole Kepka, great. Mm-hmm. Bailed you out of that one. Dmitry Sam Orokov. What is with these Russian names? Samorkov, yeah. Samorkov. Yeah. Samuel Poulin. I got things to say about Sam. Michael Carsoni. Yeah. Are you in the card or my pronunciation of his name? No, I'm I'm in the uh, quality of the young gun. Yeah. Dmitry Sam Sokurov? That's the same guy again. Oh, shoot. I got him twice. So nice. I got him twice. John Lazat. It's better than Samorkov. Brant Clark. That's a good one. Another Amon. Oh, you got three of those. Kevin... Mandelis, mm-hmm. another Holloway. Holloway's a good one. Lucas Johansson, yeah. Philip Roos of the Blackhawks, and a uh, checklist with Yaroslav Slavkovsky and Shane Wright. So you didn't get Shane Wright or Slavkovsky. This is correct, and this is why I'll probably go back to Target this week and buy more tins. So overall, the Series 2... Young Guns, like people were all crazy about it at first. Mm-hmm. 
they're not that bad of a selection. They really aren't. Who are the big ones that people but, should look out for? I mean, I just kind of poo-pooed a lot of the ones you got, but I mean, the first, very first one, 451, Yaroslav Kosky. He was the number one pick in the 22 draft, picked by Montreal. They bypassed the, some other guys that they thought would have gone first. He had some issues. I mean, there's no denying that. You know, he was 43rd in scoring in rookies. He only played 39 games. Four goals, six assists, 10 points. Obviously not setting the world on fire, but he does have some upside. Now, if you go down the checklist, like you mentioned, you got Sam Poulin. Sam Poulin, first rounder, 2019. So he's been around for a while. So he's a penguin, okay? It's been forever, I feel like, waiting for this guy to end up with a young gun and even making it up to the big club to get a shot. I mean, he went 16-37 and 37 in Wilkes-Barre in 21-22 and started off the season doing okay, but in December he took a leave of absence from hockey and he was gone. Now, like a month or so ago, he came back out and said, okay, I'm good, everything's good, I'm going to get back to it, yada, yada, yada. I mean, got great hands, great scoring potential, but if there's a mental health issue there, it could be something that follows him along and kind of disappointing. But, oh well, you know, I'm just a fan looking in. I don't know what the guy's going through. but So he finally gets a young gun, which is good, but it's been a while. Nils Amon, you said you got a bunch of them. He was like 26th in scoring this year. Um, as far as rookies, not 26th in the league. And plays for Vancouver. Further down, 459. Wyatt Johnston. This is probably the big one out of Series 2. Wyatt Johnston's a beast. I mean, he was first-round pick, number 23 for Dallas in the 21 draft. And he was tied for first in goals for rookies. And fourth in points. He had 41 points for Dallas. He's got six in the playoffs. I mean, rookies getting playoff time. It's not unheard of, but it doesn't happen often. You're going to play your bets. You're going to play your guys that have experience. You don't get a lot of playing time. So he's made the best of it with what he's been given. I think this kid's got a ton of upside. So that's a really good. And you mentioned Dylan Holloway a couple times. First round pick, number 14 for the Oilers in 2020. So he's going back a couple years. But he played 51 games for the Oilers. Didn't have a light your world on fire type season but he again he's got a lot of upside too i think oiler fans are on that bandwagon as far as what he has the potential for kuzmenko now that one andre kuzmenko you did say you pulled andre kuzmenko mm-hmm. he played 81 games this year basically a full season he had 74 points for the canucks 74 points he's technically not a rookie though he's getting a young gun but i don't think he qualifies as being a rookie because prior to signing as a free agent with Vancouver, he played 11 years of professional hockey in the KHL. 11 years for Russia. So I don't think he qualifies as an NHL-type rookie. Obviously, he qualifies as a young gun, but I don't think that puts him in the rookie class necessarily for scoring, because he would be lighting up the entire thing. And he obviously isn't leading the league in scoring in roof for rookies, nor is he eligible for the Calder. Matty Beneers has pretty much taken that. It was in Series 1. But yeah, Kuzmenko, that's a great card to have. That guy looks like he'll be the real deal for a while. And Jake Sanderson, you know, number 11 in scoring for rookies for Ottawa. He was a 2020 first-rounder. Brant Clark, I think you mentioned you pulled Brant Clark, 21 <laughs> draft first round. Mm-hmm. Brent Clark's a good a good one. David Jurashek has some upside for Columbus, but it's Columbus, and he did only play four games this year. So he's a lesser, probably a lesser on that list. Of course, Shane Wright is in Series 2, but we know what happened with Shane Wright. So it's kind of up in the air where this card's going to go potentially. Why don't you refresh our memory? I mean, Shane Wright, first round pick for Seattle, number mm-hmm. four overall in 2022. People thought for the longest time he was going to go number one. 
Not only did he not go number one, but he slipped to number four. He played a total of eight games for Seattle. He was a healthy scratch most of the time that he was up. He got sent down to the Thunderbirds. It was a lot of, like, questioning whether or not he was NHL ready more than anything else. So we're going to have to see something big from him coming up in order to make a determination as to whether or not he's going to be boom or bust, I think. And that's kind of the problem with putting all your weight behind certain guys. If they haven't proven themselves or shown, you know, ability by the second or third year, a lot of people give up on them, especially when it comes to young guns. You know, if you're trying to sock these away because you think you're going to make a mint, it's hit and miss sometimes. But still, he's a decent young guy. I mean, his young guns sell for 30, 40 bucks generally, regularly. So people still have some faith. I know that, especially Seattle fans. I don't know if it's faith or hope or what, maybe a combination. But um, Nick Perbix is on that list. He was 21st in scoring in rookies for Tampa Bay. He had three points in the playoffs, but Tampa Bay got bounced. So Caden Gould is 22 in scoring. He had 18 points. Again, another Montreal rookie. Same thing with Harbor Chackai. He was 38th in scoring, but he's a name that everybody jumped on because he's got a weird name, and a lot of people followed him because he's got a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. And again, another Montreal player. So he only had 13 points last year, but still, he was in the top 50 in rookie scoring. And he's got a really cool name, and a lot of people back him. His young gun goes for quite a bit. In fact, a lot more than you would think it would because of his popularity. One more that I wanted to just mention on there, and this is Mm -hmm. one I don't recommend, Philip Hollander. Mm -hmm. Philip Hollander is another Penguins prospect. A lot of upside. Great hands. He agreed to a five-year contract with Sweden. So oh, he's gone. And not to say that none of these other guys that I didn't mention are garbage players, because they're not by any means. But, you know, I'm talking about the guys that are, I don't want to say proven themselves already, but these are guys that are already being given the love from the hobby mm-hmm. as far as what's available in Series 2. The rest of these guys, you can probably get their young guns for a buck or two. Those other guys, you're going to be paying more than that. What about Bowie, Seattle Kraken's mascot? I still view that as a novelty card. I know when they did the gritty card, it wasn't really part of the set. It was just like an extra one. I think they should have done the same thing this time rather than put it in the set. But I get why they did it. They're trying to push, you know, the newness, I guess, of of Seattle. The weird part is if you're going to do that with Series 2 and put him in there, why didn't you put somebody in Series 1 also? And why not put somebody else in Extended? Why not spend the three series doing one mascot card every year? And then eventually you'll have all the mascots. Right. It's not like they age or anything. Yeah. They're, they're not any different. I mean, really, the only difference would be like Harvey the Hound with a tongue, Harvey the Hound without a tongue. Could be like a short print. Or Tommy Hawk before he got all weird looking. When he looked like a hawk and Tommy Hawk when he looked like a blue eyed chicken. Yeah, or, you know, Iceberg with a home jersey versus an away jersey. Yeah, or with blood on his jersey or no blood on his jersey. Yeah, his head spun around backward. (laughs) See that? With a skate cut on his neck. Uh, I don't think that happened in sudden death, honestly. No, it it didn't. I'm just exaggerating and making it worse than it was. So I want to bring up something that I talked about earlier in today's episode, because while you were giving that wonderful breakdown of the top rookies in Upper Deck Series 2. And thank you for doing that. Even though I'm disappointed that Bowie didn't make your list. He'd be the next one, though. Where's Bowie in rookie scoring this year? Um, I believe he has zero, I believe. So does that still put him top 10? I mean, that one guy with 13 points was like top 15, you said? or No, 50. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jack Eye's got 13 points, so that put him 38th out of the top 50, so... I think he would rank 51, probably, on that list. Okay. Since Um, I'm only looking at the top 50, I didn't really push it that far. Okay. So earlier, I brought up the fact that there were players who appeared twice in the same set. I forgot Dylan Gunther, by the way. Oh, what What about him? I mean, great prospect. Unfortunately, he's on the Coyotes, and they generally don't get any hobby love. 
33 games, 15 points. Guy's pretty much a stud. It's just, I don't know how he's going to fare out in the desert. But you never know. They may not be in the desert anymore. Who knows? Right. So, I'm afraid to bring this up now because you're going to remember nope, another rookie. No, nope, okay. that's it. That was the last one. It was okay. on a separate page for my notes. That's why I didn't see it. Uh, oh, wait, you took notes this time? Yeah, not really. I just made a list and then wrote little, jotted down little things next to them. Oh, that for you, that's that's like... I know. It's like crazy. That's like prepping for the ACTs for you, man. I mean... You're like, who the hell is this guy? That's yeah, exactly. notes. No, I'm the, I'm the one who takes notes. That's my thing. So this thing that I didn't take notes on, but I just remembered. So I was talking about how players appear twice in the same set. So Michael Roosevelt, who used to play for the Blackhawks and used to play for the Rangers, back when he was a New York Ranger. Who else did he play for? I I don't care. 2007, (laughs) 2008, upper deck. He's in Series 1 and he's in Series 2, both times with the Rangers. Why he appears twice in the same set, different series, same set, I don't know. But he's, he's in that set twice. But... Okay, I could see how someone putting together Series 2 forgot that he's in Series 1. Okay, that's fine. So that's one example. But now we got to look at 2009-2010 Fleer Ultra. Because for some reason, Patrick Sharp is both card number 36 and card number 193. And you go, okay, that's weird. I mean, it's one series of cards. But he's twice in that series. And in another one, same set, Daniel Carcillo is in 2009-2010 Fleer Ultra. He's card number 109 and card number 166. I don't get it. And this is in like a 200-card base set. So cards 1 through 200 were base cards. So when you have the same guy twice in the set, yeah, that's weird. I asked who else Rosval played for before because he was a Penguin. Penguins drafted him. Oh, okay. way, way back when. Yeah, I should have known that because I have an autographed rookie card of his. Or yeah, I think it's an autographed rookie card from like in the game. It was like a be yeah. a player type card. Yep, late nineties. He was on the Penguins before he went to the Rangers. He played in ninety nine. He was drafted. Played a few. Most of the season actually in ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. Another forgotten Penguin player. So any other thoughts about Upper Deck Series 2 before we wrap this one up? I would say of all the Upper Deck Series this year, it's definitely the second one. Second best? No, just the second one. How would you rank the rookie class between Series 1 and Series 2? I felt like Series 1 had a lot more sought-after rookies. I mean, Slikovsky and Wright are sought-after, but... Yeah, yeah. As far as... um... As far as overall, like, hobby push right now, Series 1 definitely carries over Series 2. Forthcoming, I do like the extended checklist of the young guns that are on it because there are some pretty decent players on it. Out of the box, I would actually say extended is probably stronger out of the box than Series 2 is, but I think Series 2 is stronger now. One of the big reasons being Wyatt Johnson. All right. So I guess we'll wrap this one up then. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please be sure to tell your fellow hockey card collecting friends. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.